0: And as we come before you this morning, breathe life into our soul, God. I ask your Holy Spirit to continue to fill us, Lord. And may your presence be felt strongly as we get into your word. And I pray that you would transform us this morning, that we would learn, that we would take action, that we would walk this life with you. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. What a beautiful, wonderful morning it is. And not just the weather, but hey, we're here together to study God's Word. So if you can grab your Bibles, open them up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians for our study this morning as we continue through this book. Our title this morning is The Practical Here and Now as we study our passage this morning. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about this in in many ways as we're living in this time of the pandemic or uh, COVID-19 and all. You know, it's changed the way we lived and we live now. It's a change the way we do things. And even here we see, right, we all got to wear masks and everything, distance, uh, social distancing, all. But, you know, there's another thing that has changed is how our children do school with distance learning now video conferencing has become the new norm right Uh, on your computer your tablet doing school in that manner and i was thinking about this no longer do you like tell your kids oh be good in class you know obey the teacher be 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 good as you go into class well now it's be good on zoom right and 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 what does that mean now well you know i was thinking about the practical The practical here and now for using Zoom is actually called Zoom etiquette now. Now, I want to put this picture on the screen. You can see uh, there's a, uh, I think this is from a a Michigan school, but uh, this is Zoom etiquette. Probably you could print it out, put it up on your wall so your kids know. As you're doing school on Zoom, you've got to mute yourself, be on time, turn on video, come prepared, sit still, be respectful, find a quiet place, raise your hand to talk, and no eating while you're on Zoom. Because it's so different now, right? I mean, the child is just there on their tablet or com- uh, computer. And so here's some practical here and now for doing Zoom when you say, hey, do good on Zoom. Adding to this, though, I want to share with you one Florida mom put these things on her Zoom etiquette list for her junior high and high school students. And some of the, the things that she posted on Facebook were, number one, don't go to the bathroom while on Zoom. I don't know if if you caught that. There was some video that went on viral. Some lady, I, I guess, went to the bathroom. She didn't know the camera was still on. Another thing that this mom wrote was wear school clothes. You know, like get dressed. Not your pajamas, no bedhead kind of thing. And. Uh, apparently that has been happening even as many of us are working through zoom now and video conferencing another thing on the list she wrote was don't text or play on the cell phone during zoom you know like oh yeah, yeah yeah right listening and you're playing your game another one is don't stare at yourself in the camera Watch the teacher or or whoever is talking. And I guess I was reading even some of these work telecom or video conferencing. You know, people are looking at themselves and kind of fixing, you know, things during the meeting. And the last thing I want to share with you that she wrote relates to that. She wrote this for her kids on Zoom etiquette. Don't pick your nose, pop zits or any other grooming. So that's kind of gross. Yeah, you're like (laughs) kind of thing. Well. This is the new world of video conferencing. And so there's some new things to do in some practical here and now. Well, as we return to our study here, verse by verse study in First Thessalonians, we, Paul now, the apostle, he writes and he focuses on three areas that the Thessalonian believers need to be doing as they walk with God. And so he gives them some practical things. He gives them the practical here and now about walking with God. So that's our title, The Practical Here and Now. We're going to be studying 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 from verse 3 through 12 now. 3 through 12. And we're going to see three things. And these are the three areas. And this is going to be like our points too as we go. And number one, value purity. Number two, love increasingly. And number three, walk decently. So that's the three areas that Paul is going to cover in the practical here now about walking with the Lord. So let's take a look here. Number one, value purity. Value purity in our outline, and our point. And take a look at verse 3 now. Verse 3. Uh, we're actually going to cover verses 3 to, through 8 in this section. But first of all, verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality now the first thing he's going to talk about is value purity and stay far away we're going to see three things so a you can say is stay far away now take a look at verse three it says four we begin with the word for, and the word for connects us really to what Paul was talking about before. And you remember uh, right right up, up above this, and you remember last week, from verse 1 and 2, our title of our message last week was, Reach for Excellence. In what way? In, in your walk with God. And how you please God, and how you, how you walk before the living God in that way. And if you missed that, you can grab the podcast, or watch the, the archive video on YouTube or Facebook. But anyway, Paul says for, so he's talking about our walk with God connecting that and he says this for this is the will of God this is what God desires if you ever wondered what's the will of God in my life well this is it Paul's going to talk about these things here in our passage today for this is the will of God your sanctification now that word sanctification means to uh, uh, grow in holiness it, it means to to continue on becoming more holy or i like to say today is growing godliness you know grow more like christ and so this is the a word that means our process the holy spirit does in us works in us for us to grow more like jesus to grow in godliness so it's so what's the will of god here What's the will of God? It's your sanctification that you would grow in Godliness. And if we attach it to what we learned last week, uh, the first two verses chapter 4, it's our walk with God. So, you know, if you ever like wonder like, oh God, what is your will for me in my life? You know, and a lot of times we pray that because we got to make some decision or we're looking to the future or what are we going to do in life or what are we going to do tomorrow? That kind of thing. Well, you know what? God will show us specifically those things. But one thing we've got to be mindful is the will of God for your life is to grow in sanctification, to grow in godliness. And so what we're going to see here this morning is God's will for you. So keep that in mind as we study God's word. So what is this now as we walk with the Lord, God's will to be growing godliness? Well, he says now, and he says in verse 3, that, and that's going to come up that word uh, as we go on in this passage. So that you abstain from sexual immorality. Abstain is, you know, the same idea, abstinence. But in the in the Greek, it actually means keep a distance. So it means keep a distance from what? Sexual immorality, sexual sins. So you see, Paul, first of all, saying value purity in this way. Stay away from sexual Sin. So right away, that's the will of God. That's what Paul is, is putting out here. Now, uh, we got to talk about culture because back then, the first Thessalon- the Thessalonian believers there in, in Asia Minor, there in the city that they lived, in, it was part of the Greek and Roman culture. So the culture back then, it was pretty loose. Back in the ancient times, it was pretty loose. Like, for example, a man. This was, this was accepted. This was culture. A man would have a wife to have legitimate children. And the man would also have mistress, a mistress for pleasure. That was culture back then. Also, also back then, culture was, it was common in society. Homosexuality, uh, trans. Even, I was reading, and this is shocking to me, even a pedophilia, they call it, you know, a pedophile, you know, and all that. That was like, this was culture back then isn't that crazy that was the way it was and we're talking about culture so you can imagine when paul says this he's going against the culture he's going against what's been the norm there matter of fact the biggest religion there was to worship the greek gods right and one of the greek gods they would actually go to the temple of this god and part of the worship was to sleep with temple prostitutes That was the culture. That's what was accepted. So sexual immorality was the everyday, it was the accepted norm in that culture. So if you talk about culture, and you think about that, and you think of what Paul is saying, this is pretty radical when Paul says, hey, value purity and stay far away from sexual sin. Well, he goes on with this subject now. And if you look at verse 5, he goes on to talk about stay in control. So first, stay far away. And then he says, secondly, be, stay in control. He says in verse 4 and 5, that, there's that word again, each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. So Paul is saying, here, let's go on. You guys, we got to stay in control. That each one of you, you believers now, Thessalonians now, you who walk with God now, that you know how to control your own body, that you have self-discipline, that you have self-control in this area now. And that uh, you would carry yourself in holiness and godliness and honor. Be honorable, you know, in all of this. And honor God in all of this. And don't be like, don't be out of control, right? Don't be like, verse 5, not in the passion of lust. And interesting, later we're going to talk about love, but, but this is just pure lust here, and we are not to lust. Like the Gentiles. Now when he uses the word Gentiles, he's really talking about the, the people who aren't saved, basically. That's how he's using that word. Who do not know God. And I like that because he's saying, these guys, they, they don't have this relationship with God. They're not walking with the Lord here. They don't know God like how you guys know God. So here's, here's Paul saying in this second thing, he's saying value purity, stay in control, and don't live like you don't know God, basically. These guys, they don't know. They don't understand. They're just going with the culture of the time. But we know, and you, I've taught you guys that, hey, this is not wrong. These are sexual sins. So stay in control. Yeah, Stay self control And don't live like you don't know God. Listen, and we know what, what it says. And you could turn there if you want. In Hebrews chapter 13. In Hebrews chapter 13, it's pretty clear along with other passages in the Bible. But, but this, this one is good. We know how, how sacred marriage is and how the borders of marriage. So Hebrews 13 verse 4 says, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. Like it's holy, like it, it, it's okay. For God will judge a sexually immoral and adulterous. So it's pretty clear on what God wants, what his will is, right? What people who know God and walk with him should do. We know that sex inside the board of marriage is what God intended. And I would say that's God's will. I would say what Paul is saying. This is God's will, your sanctification. I would say sex inside marriage from what it says in Hebrews thirteen four. We know that sex outside of marriage, like like sex with someone who already is married is an adulterer, right? Adultery. That's what adultery is. Sex outside of marriage with someone who is married. And that, that is what? Not to do that because that is even the seventh commandment, right? In Exodus 20, verse 14. And then there's another, sex inside marriage is good. Sex outside is not good. That's adultery. And sex before marriage, that's called fornication in the Bible, like First Corinthians six nine. So out of all those things, which one is the will of God? Well sex inside the border of marriage. And I think we need to in our culture that we live in today, we have to clear the distorted view of this, the distortion. It's very clear of what the Bible says. And back then in ancient times it was like kinda like it is today. And so in that sense, uh, Paul is writing to the Thessalonian believers. Well, so he's writing to us today, to our culture. Be careful of the distortion that is put out in the culture that we live in today. So Paul says, first of all, stay far away. Value purity here. Stay far away. Stay in control. And go back to 1 Thessalonians 4 now. The third thing, see, is stay accountable. Stay accountable. And this is the rest of our section, verse 6 through 8. Take a look. It says, That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For, verse 7, God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his holy spirit to you so here paul is saying look stay accountable in this sense he says in verse six that we should not transgress the, this word transgress and then he uses wrong the first word transgress you know what that means in original language uh uh it, it means to uh, overstep It means to like step over that boundary, to overstep. That's the transgression, that we overstep. The boundaries, like what I talked about just earlier. And then wrong here, it actually means take advantage. So put those two two together. We're not to overstep that boundary of marriage and that boundary of uh, of staying uh, pure before you get married. And then take advantage of what? Wrong his brother, of the other person right? Whether, whether it's a guy or a girl in this relationship, uh, in in what we're talking about, to not take advantage in this manner, because God is avenger. God, God will bring justice in that. He does not like that. That is not what we are supposed to And Paul warned them about that, living in this culture society. And then verse 7, I like how he says, for God has not called us for impurity, but holiness. Again, for purity, for godliness. And if you connect, I draw a line from will of God in verse 3 to called, that's what Paul is talking about. The will of God is that we are called now. Yeah, We are called as believers to live in that purity, to live in godliness and holiness there. And then verse 8, he's saying, therefore whoever disregards, like, like, ah, no, I'm not going to do this, you know. disregards. They're not disregarding man. And I, I keep thinking of culture here. You know what man thinks and what man says. And it's not just some... Uh, our old rule, you know that all oh, the the older generation live with no it 's not what man says it 's what God is calling you to do it 's what God is putting forth here, and he gives his holy spirit to you, and that, that connects to your sanctification because the Holy Spirit does that work in us and sanctifying us and growing us in godliness so we if, if we disregard it, we go against what God is saying, and we go against the work of the Holy Spirit in sanctification in our life. So, you see what he's saying? He's saying, be accountable in this way. Think about, don't, don't hurt the other person, right? By doing this. Be accountable. Don't go against God and His Word here. Value purity, stay accountable by not hurting others and going against God. That's what Paul is putting forth here. You know, I think about, you remember in Genesis 39, Joseph, right? Remember Joseph, he was taken and, and from, um, Potiphar, right? Came and took him, one of the officials and officers of Pharaoh, right? Grabbed Potiphar and, and made him his, the head servant, right? He was a servant to Potiphar, but he was the head guy, all of his household. And you know the story, what happened? Oh, the wife, the wife comes on to him, right? The wife likes him. Because, oh, he's a good-looking guy, and he comes on to him. And what does the wife say in Genesis 39? Lie with me. You know what she's talking about, right? She said, lie with me. And you know what Joseph's response to that was? He goes, how can I do that to my master, Potiphar? He put me in charge. He, he, he gave me favor. He, he, he put me in this possess- position, right? How can I do that to him? And then on top of it, well, he called it wickedness, matter of fact. How can I do this wickedness? How can I betray him for all that he did for me? And then the second thing he says, and how can I sin against God? So you see, Paul is saying the same thing. Value purity here. Stay accountable by not hurting others or going against God, against what he would like. Let's be clear here. What? god is saying stay pure you guys yeah value purity in your life so stay away stay in control stay accountable in this area and i'll tell you our our culture right now is 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 changed so much i mean sometimes i i think you know the 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 younger generation thinks ah this is different. You know, it's not like, you know, like the old TV, black and white shows. It's not the leave it and beaver, leave It to beaver days, right? You know, no, we're in the modern times now. It's okay. That was like a long time ago. And, and, and so it's like cultures dictating, you know, well, we're in the now and it dictates, well, what's more, what's not, what's right, what's wrong, right? But it's not that. Actually, culture from long time ago was more biblically based, right? The the Bible Christianity was stronger in our society back then, so that's why the it, it, the culture was like that. What's really happening is we're reverting back to what the ancient culture was like. So these words, what Paul is saying, is really speaking to us even today. And we need to to understand there's a distortion here in our culture. And we have to look at it according to what the Bible says. And we need to look at things according to who we are now in Jesus Christ. I like something John Phillips wrote in regards to all this. Um, He said, in our daily lives and in our character Conduct and conversation we exhibit either and look at this the results of the fall or the results of the call I love that what are we called to do we are called verse seven for for imp, uh, not for impurity but holiness that's what we're called for that's the will of God that's our sanctification that's what God is working in us so let's be clear on this clear the distortion of what's out in our culture today well let's go on here the practical here now we've seen first value purity and the second area now he talks about number two our heading is love increasingly love increasingly take a look at verse 9 and 10 here now verse 9 it says now concerning brotherly love you have no need for anyone to write to you for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. And then verse 10. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you brothers to do this more and more. So you see here Paul is now talking about love now. He's he switched from, from lust so to speak. And now he's switching to love and he first talks about here in verse 9 now concerning brotherly love now the greek word there is philadelphia uh it's like this the city yeah philadelphia and and what state is that pennsylvania Pennsylvania. oh you're gonna ate today yeah uh take one of those uh those treats you know on anyway. your no just joking but so philadelphia is the greek word and it means just that brotherly love now that word comes from phileo and the greek word and that word philadelphia really brotherly love it means like a family kind of love it's it, it it's a it's a friendship kind of love. It's a love that, that you love because you have this connection, you know, as a family, as brothers, as sisters, we we have this connection or or a family like physical family, we have this blood connection, or it's a friendship kind of love. It we're in like, oh we're we're friends, we're connected like friends, and you're friendly to me, I'll be friendly to you, and it's that type of connection. So Paul says, Hey, you guys, now concerning this brotherly love this philadelphia you, you you have no need for me to write to you you guys know about that i mean you guys know about it that so well if, if you skip the verse 10 you know, he says you're doing that all to the brothers right the other christian brothers and sisters in the lord throughout macedonia which is the area of thessalonica like in book of acts we know uh, philippi is is in that area also berea after is is in that area so this is all macedonia so these thessalonian believers they're like oh yeah we they were phileo they're philadelphia to one there are other brothers and sisters in 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 the lord there but then he says in verse 9 for you you yourselves have been taught now something else you have been taught by god to what to love one another. Now this word love here is different from the love connected to brotherly love. Brotherly love is Philadelphia. The love here at the end of verse 9 is the word agape. And agape is what? That unconditional love, right? You love because you just love. You, you give love. It's not because someone did something to you like like uh uh, philadelphia is more like that it's like oh you were friendly to me well i'm gonna be friendly back to you but agape is that higher love it's that love that god loves us with and and so uh paul's saying look you guys need to not just do this but we need to increase your love even more to agape loving one another for you guys are doing verse ten, the phileo, the Philadelphia, to the guys, the other Christians in Macedonia. But he says at the verse of, uh, end of verse ten, but we urge you, brothers, to do this. To do what? To agape one another more and more. And this to do this more and more. Remember, that's the same Greek word we saw in verse one at the end. Do so more and more, and it means in the nasb that i like how they translate it excel still more right go even over and above go, go go higher here excel more in this love so so you see paul is saying look love increasingly more here love increasingly more so you see that progression here you see what paul is saying when when he says Look, we, you guys been taught brotherly love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? We need to excel more to love increasingly more. You know, if you can see this now, in the Greek language, there's more than one word for the word love. Here, right in our, our English, we, we really only have one word for love, right? And, and like I could say, oh, I love the onion crisp poke. Have, have you guys tried that from Foodland? Oh, it's so oh no! Yeah, onion. Next time, next time you go Foodland, and uh, go today, right after church, <laughs> grab your mask. Go today and grab the grab grab a pound. I tell you, you need a pound. A pound of onion crisp pork. That that's it, right, Jerry? Onion crisp porky, <laughs> and oh, I, that that that's what we've been eating. Plus. I, I, second now, I think, is the secret spicy poke for me. But anyway, um, so we'll say, hey, I love onion crisp poke, right? And then I'll, I'll turn and say, oh, I love Kristen, my wife. Yeah. <laughs> but the love that I love with onion crisp poke is not the same, you know, that I love my wife, right? It's different. Well, in the Greek language, they have different words for love depending on what they're talking about. For example... Uh, there's many words, but we, we talk about three basic ones. Uh, the first one is eros. Eros, it speaks of a physical love. It's talking about physical touch and closeness. And that's where we even get our English word erotic. It, 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 it speaks more to the kissing, the hugging, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, I kiss, you know, I love you. And oh, I like hugging you. I, I kiss you. I love hugging you in that sense. There's a second word we already mentioned, phileo. Right? That's that more friendship, family, belonging, if you belong, yeah, that kind of love. And then there's a third word, agape, and that's that High love—that's that love that is unconditional. It just gives to give. It's it's that love that's unmerited. Like someone doesn't have to do something for you that you love them back in that way. It, you just give. It's an unselfish kind of love. It, you don't expect anything in return, too, right? Sometimes, oh, we give something. You kind of oh, hope they love uh, me back. But that's not what agape is. And you know what, agape is the love God loves us with. For God so agape the world that he gave his only begotten son. And think about that, right? That while we were yet sinners, Christ died on the cross for us. That's the love Paul is calling us to do. And that's the love God loves us with. And oh, praise God he loves us with that, right? (laughs) Because how many times we're not very loving to the Lord. But that's why Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead to save us because He agapes us. He loves us. So that's what Paul is saying. Love increasingly to that place more and more. Love increasingly. You know, I was thinking about this too when um, Chris and I were, were getting our wedding invitations, you know, together, 36 years ago before that was probably a year before that so 37 years you know and and we're getting wedding invitations together and and you know how for the reception you kind of got a limit i think what was their limit 100 or 125 or something like that because uh her parents are paying right for the the food for the reception so you just you know, there's this only a certain amount. And so, you know, uh, those of you got married or who are going to get married, you, you kind of understand that, well, you got to limit who you're going to invite and give the invitation for the reception. And so what, first of all, the first circle is what? Your family, right? They belong to your First circle is your your close friends, right? Those guys is your first circles, and that's what we did. And, and that filled up much of it. And then it, then you kind of move the circle a little more to, oh, work friends, you know, people you see every day or you're more, you know, in touch with, you know, on a daily and regular basis, and your circle kind of goes up. Then you have a few spots to fill. Maybe you'll, you'll, you'll you know, invite some really old friends or, you know, people you haven't seen but but the the inner circle the the first circle is those family and friends and all like that and those out but the ones you don't invite well your enemies right the people you're still bitter about yeah angry with no i know you guys aren't and the, the you know the your, your people who you know nah i'm not gonna you know do that well, Paul is saying, look, we got to make that circle bigger like this. We got to love increasingly more and more. And let me put it this way. I am glad Jesus, right, opened up his circle to let me in. Because I wouldn't let myself in, you know, to his wedding feast, knowing what I did to him, right? Knowing knowing my rebellion and my sin, i wouldn't but jesus opened up his circle and that's what paul is saying love increasingly more there's an old swedish proverb that says love me when i least deserve it because that's when i really need it and i'm so glad god loved me when i really needed it so that's the practical here now love increasingly let's go on to number three quickly now Now it's walk decently. The practical here now is value, purity, love increasingly. And now number three, the rest of our verses here, uh, verse 11, 12, walk decently. Verse 11, and to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. So Paul here, again, he, he's going to give us three things here. And A is to walk decently. Don't be a troublemaker. That's what he's saying. The first thing he's saying that in verse 11, he says, Aspire now or make this a goal for you guys, you know, to live quietly. That means to to like um, mind, mind, mind your, well, don't be a troublemaker, basically. Dan NLT puts it, uh, make it your goal to live a quiet life. So don't go around being some troublemaker, always making trouble and, and, and kind of getting your yaya's from, you know, making trouble with everyone. Some people are like that. Maybe they like the attention, you know, but they just like go around, make trouble. Yeah, just to make trouble. The second thing he says, walk decently. Don't be so nosy. Look what he says in verse 11. And to mind your own affairs. Basically, mind your own business, right? Mind your own business. I remember we had a neighbor uh, that that used to kind of giggle and say, Oh, I'm so niele," you know, <laughs> kind of thing. And, you know, no, we, God doesn't want us to be so nosy, you know, in other people's business. And then thirdly, he says to walk decently by work work honestly he goes on to say here in verse 11 and to work with your hands as we instructed you in the end of verse 12 and be dependent on no one so work with your own hands work honestly don't go around just always trying to get handouts you know squatting here and there um just going from one person to the next to just just get you know be able to live off them no work honestly and uh walk decently in that way and he says, when you do these things, uh, it, it's also that, verse 12, you may walk properly before outsiders. And what's that? that? You would be a good witness, right? That who you are and who you say you are would be shown in how you walk. So you would walk properly, walk uh, decently. K. Larson, in his commentary, wrote, But unbelievers do not separate our faith from our behavior, nor should we. I like that. Uh, so Paul, here's Paul. This walk decently to be a good witness for Jesus. All this is to be a good witness for Jesus. Uh, don't be a troublemaker. Don't be so noisy. Do work honestly so that we could be a good witness for Jesus Christ. And that's important, you guys. And as we close up here, as we are running out of time here, you know, I, I want to these things can pull on us these things can can really be uh something our flesh is easily pulled into i mean um, uh, to 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 uh, uh value purity and to fight against sexual sin you know what that 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 really pulls on a lot of our emotions and all right uh to to love increasingly oh that that can be hard when there's someone you know that has come against you or hurt you or or to walk decently uh, it, we we're selfish human beings we can easily just just fall into that but what I want you guys to do is not walk by how you feel or the circumstance or or walk by uh, uh, what what's good for you no we want to walk by faith because the word of God Tells us to do these things, and let me put it put it to you this way. And I'll close with this: just picture, um, a long time ago, I remember when I first read this. Um, I think it was the Four Spiritual Laws, and it was put out by Billy Graham, a tract, uh, a tract on salvation. And at the end, had this illustration of a, a train: it had a locomotive, the coal car, and then the caboose. And on the locomotive, had the word. On the cold call car had faith, and the last the caboose had feelings. And so the idea is we we walk, we we understand what God tells us by the word of God and we put faith in the word and then feelings follow. But how many times do we live our life the other way, right? We live by our emotions, our feelings, or or the circumstances they drive us, or or, or, or our selfishness, those kind of pulls on us. We make the train go backwards. But that's not what it should be. We live by the Word of God. Here we learn to value purity, Paul's saying. To love increasingly. To walk decently. That's the Word of God. That's the will of God. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit of sanctification in our life. So we need to live by the Word and put our faith in that. What God is telling us. And the faith is this. That where the will of God will take us, the work of God will be there. And He'll give us the ability and the power to do those things. So do you understand? When we first, when we obey what God wants us to do, when we are practical here and practice these things, then you know what? God will be there to help you to do these things. And then you know what? I'll tell you what. Those emotions, things you're fighting... It, it'll come into place. It'll, it'll come into surrender. And you know what? Then you, those things won't be so strong. As a matter of fact, you, you'll feel like doing these things even more because of the power of God. So it's important that we do these things, the practical here and now. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that your word is true and in your truth you clear the distortion, God, of our culture and you make clear on what your will is for us in our lives. And as we step out of this place and as we step into our day, this tomorrow and into the week, God, we just surrender to you, God. I pray, Lord, that you would reign over my life and reign over all of our lives, Lord, that we would become sons and daughters of God doing your will. And as you work in your work of sanctification, that we would become more and more like you, Jesus, that we would do these very things, value, purity, uh, love increasingly and walk decently. So here we are, dear Lord Jesus, we surrender to you in Jesus name. Amen. Let's all stand and worship the Lord, and um, you'll be dismissed after that.